0: Please, the knackered golfist now driving. Welcome to the knackered golfist podcast. Um, I was watching. I'm sorry. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and it was the No Laying Up podcast, and they interviewed a chap by the name of Harry Higgs, and he was talking. I mean, he seemed to be pretty knowledgeable on the ins and outs of selecting a golf ball. And what a golf ball can do, and how you sort of judge what kind of golf ball is correct for you based on how it performs on a golf course. Um, What I found fascinating, and then I found out that uh, Mister Higgs, uh, he's playing the the Safeway Open this week, and on Friday he actually had an albatross on the ninth hole at Silverado he had a uh, I think a a shot that was 230 yards out and he hit a long iron and the pin was cut in the front left and he got an albatross and it was just an, an amazing thing so it made me feel good to see that happen after listening to him on the podcast but the stuff that he was talking about with regard to the golf ball and just how a golf ball performs just like just in the wind was just fascinating to me and how i mean he plays for TaylorMade and he plays the he's trying to figure out if he wants to go with the TP5 or the TP5X which i heard the TP5 is and he used this word spinnier the ball is spinnier than the TP5X and i i guess the X is not as spinnier as the TP5 and it really made me think about the golf balls that I have used in my illustrious amateur career to enjoy golf and to be successful at golf. And I remember, I mean, I was, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I remember that I relate to is goes back to the early to mid-90s when I was, um, I mean, I was 20 years old in 1993 and I was, you know... I left home and I went to college and that sort of thing. And so I was exposed, living in Southern California, I was exposed to going to different golf tournaments. I went to the Los Angeles Open, which they called the Nissan Open at Riviera Country Club. I went to the Buick Invitational, which was down at Torrey Pines in La Jolla, or La Jolla California, outside San Diego. And then I also went to the Mercedes Championships at uh, the La Costa Resort and Spa down in Carlsbad, California and I think and then I also went to the the Franklin Fun Shark Shootout I do regret going or actually not going to the Bob Hope um, Chrysler Classic in Palm Springs I do regret not going to that and also they had the uh, the Frank Sinatra Celebrity Shootout or whatever in Palm Springs I regret not going to that either but um, but in, in, with regard to the golf ball, I really think that from what I heard... I mean, Harry was talking about just, just, just that the golf course that he plays and what these tour players play, I mean, those golf courses are so diametrically opposed to what the normal amateur golfer plays on a daily basis. You know, you had... I mean, I was on a putting green yesterday at Hagen Oaks Golf Course in Sacramento. And this this putting green it was it was I mean it was a week after what's what the Hagen Oaks Golf Course has every year and they've had since the beginning of time I think since the course was built in 1932. They have this tournament it's called the State Fair Amateur Championship. And they have it usually every Labor Day weekend and I just remembered I just remembered that that happened the day or yesterday when I went on this practice screen. And it was 110, 111 degrees with a bunch of smoke in the air. And I wasn't going to go to that tournament (laughs) for one day, let alone three days. But uh, I was looking at the scores on the winning uh, the winning score of the winner of the tournament, and I think it was like 14 under. So I think the kid shot like 67, 68, 67, something like that. It's just a three-round tournament. And, uh, if, I mean, backing up to the putting green that I was on, this, this particular, I would call it the West putting green at Hagen Oaks, which is for the Alistair McKenzie uh what do you call it? The north I mean they used to call it the South eighteen or actually no, they called it the South Blue and Nine Nines. And then they called it the North um the North Course at Hagen Oaks, which was the eighteen the hole course. And Years ago, it could have been during the 2000s decade, they they had it all redesigned and they had it all... They had a bunch of construction done, adding a bunch of mounds. So the course, all the Alistair McKenzie design, it was taken out of it to have these mounds and these um, accentuations added to the golf course. And I can't remember... I can't... I mean, I played... I, I never really played that golf course back when I was a kid because it was it was sort of it was really really difficult to play because it was it was it was really heavily heavily watered heavily irrigated and you never really had a decent lie um, in the fairway and you and the course was not very playable to play when I was a kid because there were so many people that played that course on a daily basis and it wasn't very well maintained in my opinion and so you have it but they used to but they used to sort of they used to sort of stop everything and and this is the tournament actually that I first saw Cameron Champ play I mean I saw Cameron Champ uh play at this tournament it could have been it could have been five years ago I mean I think my son might have been two years old or something like that so it could have been like 2010 2011 I mean he was a a kid he hadn't gone to Texas A&M yet but um I was just enthralled to see um and amazed to see Cameron Champ play golf because he was unlike any other player out there I mean he had the full ping equipment and he was playing He was just launching these bombs out there and he was he was very um, I mean he he really looked like he was going somewhere and he I mean he didn't win or anything but he just really set he really set an example for his play during that tournament when I saw him so backing up um, this west putting green was very very interesting yesterday when I was putting on it because for one thing when hagen oaks would prepare for the state fair amateur it would firm up the greens it would firm up the course and for some reason th- uh the greens would be a lot more firm and they would be a lot more i would say playable to a lower handicap golfer and this green that i was putting on it was it i mean has Poanya grass on it which means that it's going to be a bit bumpy but i was I was really putting well. I had my ping my day out there, and I I, I came to this green after the golf, or sorry, after work, and um, just putted on the green. I, I first putted on the the east side putting green, which is for the blue and red nines, but I found that green to be not in very good condition. I found I found that there was kids that that were practicing on the green that had their golf shoes on and for some reason whenever kids have their golf shoes they don't know that they're not in my opinion if you're going to practice on a green don't wear your golf shoes because for one thing wearing golf shoes on a practice green to help you putt or to practice putting is not going to help your putting it's just going to sort of ruffle up the the grass for everyone else and i really think that that is a really big pet peeve of mine and and for people to not notice that they're making marks on the green is really annoying so and that's usually an indication that the green is a bit too soft and a bit a bit overwatered and the cups hadn't been changed on this green for a while but then i go over to the other green but but keep in mind that this east putting green For years, and in my opinion, is a better green to putt on. And it's a more of a true green to putt on than any other green in Sacramento. Because this green has been there for eons. It's been... It it sort of has a soil profile that I would assume is a bit better than much of the other greens on the course. And this has ample sun to have uh, the amount of photosynthesis take place and to have the turf grow in a proper way and it seems like the slopes and the um, <clears throat> the undulations on the green seem to be a bit more true than this other green and, and another detail is that I think this green drains a lot better when it rains in the winter, in the fall, in the winter in the spring and th- this green comes back from um this this green is is able to recover a lot quicker to have the, the water drain through the soil a lot quicker than the other green. The other green has always had a problem draining water when you reach a saturation point in the soil. And I always thought that for that green especially, I mean, the west side green at Hagen Oaks, the putting green would really benefit from a drill-and-fill sort of uh, soil uh, aeration process. When I mentioned drill-and-fill, if you don't know golf horticulture, it's necessary to aerate greens and to aerify greens. I mean, essentially that sort of phrase is the same thing. Aeration, you need to have aeration in a green in order for it to survive throughout the season because of all the people walking on it. When you have people walking on a green, you have what's called compaction. Where people just just the basis of people walking on a green, you know, you have your you have your the weight of somebody on a green is is detrimental to the to the turf health and the the uh, what do you call it the the grass and the roots and all that stuff. So anyway so what I keep so I so a drill and fill I think procedure on that green would really help in the long run and it could be a lost cause I may not hold the I I may not know the whole story of the soil profile and the drainage problem on that green because that green whenever it gets saturated after rain it takes forever to drain and I always thought that 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 green would really benefit because that that green is is I think it's I'm pretty sure that it's an original green from when the course was built in 1932 and um, whether you install French drains or whether you do a drill and fill to add so- to add sand to the uh, soil profile that is in my opinion and in my experience a way to really improve the uh, the soil texture and the soil profile on a green is to, I mean, auto, it's automatic that when you aerate and when you aerify, you, um, you remove the old turf and the old soil and you replace it with sand, Where and the sand helps the turf to breathe. The sand helps the turf to breathe, and it helps water and, and nutrients to flow through the, so- the soil profile. But, but see what happens if you have hard pan underneath the green, it reaches a certain point and it doesn't go any further down in the soil. So if you have hard pan at the bottom of that soil profile, the the nutrients in the water is just going to go down there and stay and corrode and um, become anaerobic. Is, is when, and Anaerobic is when all that stuff turns to sort of smelly goop that really sort of becomes a problem and there's no really clear way of getting rid of it. Unless you have, unless you have a really good sort of uh, root system, or sorry, soil profile in a green. There's also another procedure called vertidraining draining, where you have, where you have um, tines. I mean, the air. I mean, if I'm speaking to somebody that doesn't know what aeration is, you have a machine. It's called an airifier, and it has these tines on it. And when you aerify a green, it's usually done in the spring and the fall. And these tines are usually like five eighths around, and they and they. I mean, if you if you take in a, if you take for example the the cup cutter on a green, the cup actually goes down, takes a plug out of the green, and you're able to put a cup in there for the hole. This this airification tine is is a, a much smaller sort of representation of that. Um, what an airification time does is it it just takes a plug out of the green to allow the soil and the turf to breathe after it's been under so much compaction. And with all the heat during the summer, with all the traffic during the the season in the summer, and whether you have good or bad air, I'm sorry, (laughs) air to breathe, what a concept. Whether you have good or bad uh, water to water the soil, that's sort of is another another uh, factor as well. Because you could have water that has good pH. You could have water that has bad pH. I mean, you have acidic water, and then you have alkaline water. It's all... All this stuff is basically an uh, introduction to soil chemistry, I would think. Which I'm not too keen on, but I've had experience doing this stuff. But where was I going with all this? What I was doing... I wanted to really talk about the golf ball here. But what I really wanted to talk about was the golf ball. And so you have sort of you have sort of a description of what it takes to maintain a green. And then and, and, and to add to that, you have your fertilizers, you have your your normal what do you ca- it's called verticutting and top dressing where you sort of Verticutting is a way to sort of smooth out any sort of thatch that might be accumulating on the green, and thatch is now thatch, especially on a bent grass, or especially a Bermuda green, is really really important to sort of maintain because thatch adds that's sort of making the green a bit spongy, and you really want to steer clear and and uh, keep your green healthy, and when you have thatch on a grain that that's really accumulated you don't allow the turf to what do you call it um the the nutrients in the water doesn't really absorb through the turf uh plant and also the roots so the thatch is sort of like a layer that prevents chemistry from happening and so you have what ends up happening is that the roots sort of corrode and and die, kind of thing. I mean, corrosion is not the right word, but they get um, they get knackered. Yeah, that's what happens. They get knackered and then they die because of the nutrients can't reach the uh, the plant down in the down in the soil there. So where I was going with that was the golf ball. I really want to what what I mean, going way back to when I started this episode, Harry Higgs was talking about this golf ball and how he's playing at a sort of tour um, level golf course in Dallas that had a lot of rain last week and and for some reason, you know, the course became a bit soft. and his goal is to be able to play. A course that stays firm and stays true, like, most of the time, if not all the time. And with these tour players, these tour players get pristine conditions. I mean, when I was at, I mean, I went to the Safeway Open last year, and the greens, they're all Poanya greens there at Silverado, and they, they're all firm. And, and what it takes to maintain and sort of prepare a golf course for a PGA Tour tournament is, Means that you have to have firm, you have to have firm greens, and f- having firm greens is really, really important because, you know, that that whole stint meter thing comes in, into into play, where I don't know. I mean, does a U.S. Open golf course have greens that read thirteen to eighteen on a stint meter? I mean, th- I mean that's sort of what you're dealing with, and. It depends on how you putt as well. And so the green is important. And so the reason I'm talking about the firmness of the green is that the, the, the preparation that it took to, to make that west putting green firm, it took a decision based on the, um, the knowledge that this golf tournament was coming, and they had to plan to firm up this practice green and I would assume that they firmed up all the other greens out on the course to have the State Fair Amateur Tournament. And so what I think I'm trying to say is that the the amateur players that played in this tournament got better greens to play on than the average run-of-the-mill amateur golfer that plays and pays the green fees on a daily basis. And so... What I'm t- And then when it comes down to the golf ball, the golf ball is a representation. I mean, I was thinking about it earlier. I mean, is a golf ball a representation of a, of a tire on a car? You know, all of this stuff I hear about on t- commercials and statistics and all that stuff, it's all about what the golf ball does in the air. And you rarely hear, I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, is there a stat for this? You really hear about what the golf ball does when it's on the ground. I mean, does the ball run when the ball hits the fairway? I mean, does the ball does the ball run on a green? Does the ball stop on a green? Does the ball check up on a on a green after a pitch shot from 50 yards away? Does the ball stop when you are chipping out of the rough between a bunker and a green because you have you know you have extra scoring on your wedge to be able to grab the ball to have it spin back on a green which is what i have on these i I mean i have a i have a a 60 degree nike wedge that has extra scoring on the on the grooves of the of the um of the club, and I, I'm I'm sometimes able to spin back a range ball on a on a on a on a uh, what do you call it a um, a matted sort of green that's out a target green on the range from sixty yards away. I can do that, but I'm just wondering, you know, why is the golf ball why is the golf ball not why is the golf ball being sold to the amateur golfer when the amateur golfer most likely can't play with a Titleist Pro V1 or can't play they can't get the actual performance on a on the amateur golfer can is not able to get the performance out of a golf ball if they if they're playing a Titleist Pro V1 and they still for some reason, have it in their head that they think if they play with a Titleist Pro V1 that they can go and they can get the same performance out of the ball with a, as a tour player. I mean, I don't know. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's like, I mean, going back, going back way back to the first time I played Poppy Hills, which is a golf course in the Monterey Peninsula area, and it used to be a part of the at t Pebble Beach National Pro-Am. This was the sort of, <clears throat> if not, I don't know if it still is or not, but this course was the hub of the Northern California Golf Association. That was sort of the place that, you know, they had, that was their, that was sort of their postcard golf course to be able to have the NCGA. And so... I remember playing with the Titleist Tour Baladas for the first time. And um, I remember, I mean, I was, I mean, again, like I said before, I was 20 years old, 18, 19, 20 years old. And I went down to Monterey to play golf at Poppy Hills with my dad. And that's the, I mean, I only played, I mean, being here in Northern California, I've only played Spanish Bay and I've only played Poppy Hills down in, uh, down in Monterey. I mean, I've never played Pebble Beach. I've never played, certainly never played Cypress Point. And I've never played the Olympic Club. I've never played a lot of the exclusive golf courses in Monterey. I did play Bodega Harbor Golf Links a few times, which I think is a very, very underrated golf course in my opinion. It's beautiful, it's cool, and all that stuff. So, when I wanted to share about the my first experience with the titleist tour ballada i mean the ballada ball was so amazing for a golfer that had much more skill than the average golfer i mean not to be arrogant about uh, about my skills back then but i was pretty good i mean i was a very very good driver of the ball i i wasn't <clears throat> i wasn't the best i i probably was a better ball striker As far as irons go. But I was a really, really good chipper of the ball around the green. But I was never a good putter. Never a good putter at all. And I was really good at being able to... Being able to just judge the amount of... uh, Judge the amount of strength to take back. And I just just instinctively knew how much it took to get a ball through some rough. To get on the green. To get close to the hole. I mean... I remember one time. I mean, just just to just to name a, a club off the top of my head, the the, the Max Sly Tadmore lob wedge is a club that I've had a lot of success with it, and I uh, I remember being on a hole. It was uh, the go- the golf course is called Ansel Hoffman, and I remember just being on the and the 16th hole is the number two handicap uh, hole on the course. You have to split your drive through a, a, a big thicket of narrow trees to get um, <clears throat> a, a decent uh, second shot uh, to the green. And you And I got on the green, but then it rolled off. And it rolled off into the back left sort of rough. And so I had my Tadmore 61 degree lob wedge, and I lobbed it up there to the green to like three feet. And I made the putt for par, and making a putt for par on that hole, making a par was a really big deal. And so, you know, the, uh, that's a golf club that you really want to think about. But anyway, what I was going to is is the when I ha- they had this bunker, they had this practice bunker at Poppy Hills that I thought was, I mean, I was actually I threw these tour boladas in this bunker, and. I was hitting sand shots out of the bunker onto this practice green, and I had backspin. I had significant backspin out of this bunker with these Titleist Torbaladas, and I had never, I have never had that since. And I keep hearing about all these golf balls that are out there that claim to be a, a bit spinnier than normal, but yet I have never been able to spin a, uh, a, uh, a, uh, modern day golf ball off the green or actually on the green. But I just mentioned a few minutes ago that I was able to spin a range ball on the mats on a green, but see where I'm going with that is that. The Titleist Torbalata was a different construction, and it was a, a so much softer of a golf ball. I mean, they say that it was 90 compression, and it was 100 compression. You know, the red number meant 90 compression, and the black number meant 100 compression. But uh, I, I remember playing. I mean, I don't remember any shot from what I did at Poppy Hills when I was when I played that day. But I remember the uh, the little session I had in the bunker, and I was just blown away that oh my gosh I'm I'm my performance I'm I'm hitting it like I'm hitting it like Sevi Basteras out of the bunker and it's backing up and there was another ball I used to play it was called the Max Fly HT Ballotta. it was the it was the first version it wasn't the uh, the third or fourth version but it, it came in the gold Max Fly box that Fred Couples and Greg Norman and Sevy Basteras played and Jim Gallagher Jr um this was the tour ball you know this was the tour ball to play and and back then back then there was only two predominant tour balls that were out there on the market to play there may have been three but there was two golf balls to play if you're a tour player you played the Titleist Tour Ballotta or you played the MaxFly HT and there was no other option now there are so many options for the golfer that you have y- it's like you have to th- you have to you have to throw yourself into whatever golf ball you want to play with and you're going to pay $50 a dozen for these titleist pro v1s or the type- the taylor made tp5x's or the the callaway chrome softs or whatever it's 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 just a minefield a minefield of stuff that you have to research and you have to look at I don't know I mean I don't know if I'm if I come across as being belly aching but it's amazing that in the age of the internet you you're actually able to read reviews on the performance of a certain product but until you use that product yourself you're able to you're not able to figure out whether the golf product is actually suitable for your needs or not and that's why that's why I find it to be so weird that amateur golfers are playing with the TaylorMade TP5 instead of like a Srixon Q-Star Tour or something some I mean it, it it and also it all comes down to whether you play a certain type of putter on the green too because I was uh, on this other green yesterday as well, and these kids that were... Um, that they looked like they were amateur... Soon-to-be amateur golfers that played in tournaments. They were practicing on the green. They were chipping on the green to like a, a stick in the hole that their dad put in there. And one of the kids left a, um, a ball on the green. And they went to the other green because it was more firm to practice on it. And so I found the ball. It was a it was a TaylorMade TP5 and it had a AJGA logo on there. And I'm like, "You know what? I'm going to do a bit of comparison in comparison Com- uh, sorry, compare and contrast. You know, I um I found this ball and I was using my Ping my day and I was I was doing the little side by side test, and I found that the Q Star Tour was so much softer off the club, off the putter face, than this, than this TP5 uh, ball was. And I hit the same putt with the Q Star Tour, you know, on this this other harder compression golf ball, and the ball went by like ten feet. And I um, on the Q Star tour, I I was able to get really close to the hole, and I was I was I made a few more putts. And this this other harder, more exotic golf ball, this was this was really um, it just really went. F- it was a really much more firming feel sort of ball, and you know that's the whole thing nowadays is that it's all about distance. You know, you gotta. I really wish that, with modern technology, I mean, when it all comes down to, I miss the wound ball. I miss the wound ballata ball. I miss the titleist DT wound ball. I miss all that because you could shape shafts, and you had a better, you had a better um, opportunity to experience softness and actual feel on a golf course while you're hitting these shots. And I really think that with modern equipment, you don't get the same feel that you do that, that you did with the, uh, with the, with the baladas and with the wound balls, the, you know, you hit the three piece tideless DT the Titleist DT. You remember that commercial where the ball was struck with an accoutionate bullseye. The ball rolls on the green. They're talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. And then it falls into the hole and the Titleist logo comes up and shows on the camera. The Titleist DT. You know, that was the ball. And Chi Rodriguez made a joke. It's like, well, what kind of ball are you playing, Chi Chi? Oh, it's a sirloin. You know, <laughs> and <I'm, laughs> that was cool. It's a, it was called sirloin, but it, he called it sirloin. you know I love that. you know I want a sirloin sorry a sirloin ball, please. So anyway, hopefully I'm not rambling and I just really, I just really find it I just really find it baffling and, and frustrating that, that the way golf and I just watched the video of Gary Player berating the course conditions at Chambers Bay during the 2015. US Open. You know, we've got to make the ball, we've got to make the course shorter. we got to make the ball go less further. We've got to make 12 whole golf courses. You know, the husband works all week and then he's neglecting his family because he's spending six hours on a golf course. We've got to make sure that he has a fun time out there. He's a 16 handicap. He's going to shoot 130. You know, we got to make golf fun. we got to make golf uh speedier. You know, not spinnier. Let's make it speedier. You know? Let's do that, folks. Let's get out there and let's let's make golf speedier. No more no more JB Holmes. No more Patrick can't play fast enough st- guys out there. Come on. Let's get out there. Let's have a good time and be cognizant of other people and let's make golf fun. Let's make golf enjoyable and let's make golf Quick. Thank you very much for listening to the Knackered Golfist podcast. Thank you. Four, please. The Knackered Golfist now driving.